1: With Alex and Fauci Alex and Fauci Alex and Alex If I put our jacks in the paint How you gon' stop me? How you gon' stop me? We can go head to head Call out your top three Call out your top three We can the switch from Buddy here Now that boy got three We got Holly Burton running point This is a Benedict for the shot If anybody gon' come in the park, Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. We are just a little over 24 hours away from finding out where the Indiana Pacers will pick in the 2023 NBA draft. But Fachi, we got more things to talk about than the draft lottery and the NBA draft. Oh, yes, we do. Well, I'm very excited for the lottery. I mean, this is that
2: time of the year where it feels like anything can happen, and just about anyone can be had for the right price. Alex, we're going to talk about a player today that you and I have both had interest in for quite some time. I know Pacer Nation has had interest in this guy for quite some time. Do you want to tell everybody
1: who that might be? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Jonathan Kaminga, Golden State Warriors small forward that was taken 7th overall in the 2021 NBA draft, I believe it was. Yes, it was. He is a young prospect that reportedly – wants clarification on his role. And if he does not get a solidified role in the Golden State Warriors rotation, he would like a trade elsewhere. Now you might think, is he worthy of being able to request a trade this early in his age? But I think he does have a valid point. Young player, you know, not getting any playing time in critical moments when he had some last year. It just feels like, what are the Warriors doing? I feel like there's just something going on with Golden State in terms of not being able to perfectly combine development while trying to be a championship contender and I think when you have those picks when you're a championship contending team you you got to find that balance and I think we've already seen them fumble the bag with James Wiseman now they could potentially do with Jonathan Kaminga you know the Warriors had an opportunity to do something very very rare and special and that's
2: compete for a championship while also being de- able to develop some studs. You mentioned James Wiseman. It was a massive strikeout right there, but a big opportunity for them. If they had drafted LaMelo Ball, it's like maybe it's a completely different story. But then also, it's like due to odd situations, Klay Thompson you know, tearing his ACL, his Achilles, uh, Steph Curry getting hurt, it basically had the Warriors take like almost two seasons off where then they were able to, you know, have some luck in terms of where they're in the draft lottery. Jonathan Kuminga at pick seven seemed like just a rock star fit. Even Moses Moody falling to them at 13 or 14 was felt awesome. However, I wouldn't say that any of those players are too happy because playing time on that team has been very hard to come by as they're trying to maximize that window for Steph Curry. Now, look, if they didn't just win a championship, Last season, we would say, like, what are they doing? But they are trying to maximize the window of an absolute hall of fame great in Steph Curry and a few other players like Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, which has put them in a very awkward spot where, you know, those guys are gonna take precedent over the young fellows like Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody, James Wiseman any day.
1: Well well, here's one thing you get a look at too, because when you see teams picking in the lottery, especially as high as seven. Those teams really aren't usually ready to compete for an NBA championship. Agreed. Now there are rare occasions where that does happen, like we saw with Golden State, where they are able to make a trade. I think the trade that got them that pick was the Minnesota trade with Anthony uh, Andrew Wiggins, right, for D'Angelo Russell. If that was mm-hmm. the the trade. So stuff like that happens, but it's not very rare that you see that. It's very it's not very often that you see it. it's very rarely you see that. So to me, this is where I'm like, okay, Jonathan Kaminga probably starts or at least gets a, a huge role off the bench on probably 20 to 25 other teams if he, if they're drafting in that spot that the Warriors were drafting in. So I understand his frustrations with his role. At 14 with Moses Moody, that one's less of a big deal to me because mm-hmm. we see teams all the time that just missed the playoffs that can have a bounce back year and then get back in playoff contention. So 14 for Moody and him his playing time being kind of hit or miss, whatever to me, that doesn't matter. But I think that when you're drafted seventh overall – very young player, only twenty years old, Fachi. That's a big. That's a big thing here, and and he plays a position of need for the Golden State Warriors, not getting the playing time and not getting a solidified role within the team to try to prove himself. I understand his frustrations. It'll be interesting to see where Golden State goes from here because they do have him under team control for the next seven years potentially. So this is where it gets really difficult, and the asking price could be very high. But at the same time, they got to try to compete right now, in my opinion to make Steph Curry happy, and if Steve Kerr wants to stay around, they're going to to continue to win around him. So is trading for young players and picks in the future really the way to go, or is it to try to get solidified role players? I think we can discuss all that today, but I just don't know how high Jonathan Kaminga's value actually is. That's the thing, and I don't know who really does know
2: what his value is, because through two seasons in the NBA, if you just want to take a look at the stats... You say, okay, well, hey, given his role, I think he's done pretty well, and you imagine he'd take a big step forward. However, Golden State is in that that spot where they want players to win now rather than maybe a boatload of picks. Or it's it's really hard to figure out exactly what they want because, let's face it, we were all stunned when James Wiseman got traded for five second-round picks. The second overall pick got traded for five second round picks. Yeah. And that was just to get them, Gary Payton, the second. So it just felt like now at this point, a player who was the seventh overall pick, you know, you're like, mm, okay, well, I, I don't know. I don't think that it, they might not get in return, maybe necessarily what they should, but it all depends because Golden State's in that zone of do they want to maybe cut back on luxury tax payments because they've been paying a lot more money than most teams. Or do they want, you know, the role players, do they want a combination of of role players that can help win now and picks? It could be all over the place. And I think that's why today's episode is going to be so fun because, Alex, you have, I think, at least four different trades. You know me, I always go over and I always have a couple extra, but it's a little bit of everything. So, you know, are these all going to be perfect? Probably not. But I do think that a couple of these will land in that zone of realistic returns For Jonathan Kaminga,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm just looking at Golden State's salary here, Fachi, and this is crazy. Steph Curry's making 51.9, Clay Thompson's making 43.2, Jordan Poole's making 28 million. Draymond Green has a player option for 27.5. They just extended Andrew Wiggins for 24.3. Gary Payton makes 8.7. Kevin uh, Kavon Ludi, excuse me, makes 7.5. Kaminga's at six million here in his uh, second season. That'll be his third season making six million. Dee Vincenzo's got a player option for 4-7. Moses Moody's at almost 4 million. And then Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins are are their lowest cap hits here. But when your top top five guys are 24 million plus, yeah, you're going to be paying the tax, and you're going to be paying Mm -hmm. the repeater tax, and you're going to be in a really tough situation. So they've got to figure this out because I feel like the depth on this team is a little bit lackluster. So... Let's just start things off here. You got more trades than me. I don't know how many trades you have. I'm curious. Um uh, but there are quite a few. Uh,
2: um, now, let's um, let's
1: start off with our first trade that we would send to Golden State if we're trying to start conversations. So this is one where you don't feel like you want to give up too much, but you feel yeah. like maybe they might be interested in this.
2: Exactly. So this is not my sexiest deal, but trade one that I got. Look, the Pacers in this deal, they're offering Aaron Nismith. E. Chris Duarte, the Celtics first, the Cavs first. Four, Jonathan Kaminga and Patrick Baldwin Jr. In this deal, the Warriors will save money. It's not going to be a lot, but they're going to save about $1.4 million. Uh, And we obviously know that the Warriors have had interest in Duarte in the past. If they can rekindle him, that'd be great. And then Neesmith, I think, is a player that can be a really good role player for them. What they do with those two first-round picks, that's up to them.
1: Interestingly enough, I figured when we when you were like telling me the trade you were doing, I'm like, we're probably going to have some ones that are very close. Could be. So I pretty much have this exact same trade that you okay. do, but instead of Aaron Neesmith, I've got Jordan Mora. I, a little bit, you I was going have- to say, play a little bit more size. I understand that you can play Aaron Neesmith. I think Aaron Nesmith is better, but obviously yes. I think the Pacers value him more. So mm-hmm. I think at the at the starting point, I'm not giving up Aaron Neesmith right away with two picks and Chris Duarte for a guy that couldn't crack the rotation in the playoffs, and Patrick Baldwin Jr., who was still a massive mystery box. So massive. I'm I'm throwing them Chris Duarte, somebody that they loved. I'm throwing them two first-round picks, and I'm throwing them a lights-out shooter in Jordan Mora that I actually think would fit their offensive system very well. So I think that your your first trade is not a trade that I would be afraid to do, but I do think that starting things off, I might be a little bit more hesitant if I'm the Pacers to just throw Aaron Eastman in there right away.
2: Yes. When when pitching it that way, I prefer your option if that would get the deal done. While I don't think it'll get the deal done and we have to eventually shift to Neesmith, I would prefer to start with Nawara, just like you said, and then take it from there.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is just like you're just trying to get their attention, give them mm-hmm. a phone call, say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, you guys could use those draft picks, 26-29, could get some really, you know, proven role players. Like, for example, let's just say they walked away with Chris Murray and Trace Jackson Davis. These are two guys that are ready to play right now, and they could help them on very cheap contracts in the playoffs instead of going after someone like Patrick Baldwin Jr., who is a project. And Kaminga is only 20 years old, right? But I, I think that someone like Trace could fit into that role. We've already seen undersized centers that are you know, similar, like really good passers, defenders can do stuff like that for them. I think that this could be enticing to them. As well as they already have pick, I think, 18 or 19. So 19. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is going to allow them to have flexibility, and then they could use those three picks to potentially move up and do something else. So I think that could be one way you talk about it. But, yeah, I think if you throw Neesmith in here, they would be stupid not to take that, don't you
2: think? I I do think that that trade is right up their alley because it still gives them the ammunition to have, like you mentioned, picks 19, 26, 29, I guarantee you Golden State could turn that into someone that could very much already help them, you know, help them look for another championship, but also Neesmith helps right away. He's going to give you more valuable minutes than probably Kuminga is at this point, point. Um, and then obviously if, if Duarte pans out, that is like the, the icing on the cake for them.
1: Yeah, so I, I was thinking to myself like, okay, I bet they decline the trade I sent And they send a counter-trade. And this is where the counter-trade is that I have, Fauci, and I think you're going to hate it. But I think this is what they might throw because we know, and we already talked about it, they have a lot of salaries on their roster or their cap sheet right now, and they want to probably get rid of some of those. So here's the trade. The Pacers send out Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice, Jalen Smith, and Chris Duarte to the Warriors for Patrick Baldwin Jr., Jonathan Kaminga, and they take on... The hefty contract of Jordan Poole.
2: Oh, I feared you were gonna say that. Every scenario I went through, I, I tried to dodge Poole's contract like the plague. So let, let me let me get this right. So it's um so re- repeat it again. It was Buddy Heald, Jalen Smith,
1: yep. uh, okay. Daniel Tice, and Chris Duarte. No picks involved. Okay, just players for players. So you're giving up two expiring contracts, or yeah, two expiring and Daniel yep. Tyson Buddy. Jalen Smith, who's got a player option on his uh, year after this one. And then Chris Duarte, who has a team option plus restricted free agency. So you're getting four players. I think Buddy Hill actually fits into the Warriors system perfectly. Agreed. I think Daniel Tice could be a very low-minute, good backup center. Jalen Smith can give you minutes if you need him. Uh, I don't think he's going to play consistently for him, but I think Chris Duarte could do the same thing, be kind of a guy that has the opportunity to to get into the rotation there. You give up Patrick Baldwin Jr. you don't care about. You get off the pool contract and then you attach Kaminga with it. Kind of like uh, you're sweetening the deal by giving Kaminga with pool. The Pacers, though, the reason I thought the Pacers might be somewhat interested in, in it is because I think Jordan Poole could benefit from a new home. Oh, yeah, I will so. I will say that. Obviously, that's something that happened. Everybody looked at Buddy Hill as like this horrible contract. He can't mm-hmm. play this. He can't do that. And look how much he meant to this team. I think if the Pacers could get Jordan Poole here as their sixth man, coming off the bench, being that guy, that could be huge for them. I, I think Rick Carlisle would be a good coach for him because we saw how strict he was with Benedict Matherin. And I think that Jordan Poole is just like a shot creator. The Pacers have really needed someone like that for a while. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks with them. I really don't want him, so I don't love this trade. But I think I could hear them out on it. I don't think I would do it, though. I think I'm going to pass, and the reason
2: is, is this. We need to prioritize the growth of Benedict Matherin and then obviously Andrew Nemhard. And when you bring in a guy like Jordan Poole, he's got to play big time minutes. Plus, if you can't move off of that contract and you're giving Tyrese Halliburton a max, not a penny less. All of a sudden you start to have some questions of how you're going to move around some money with Halliburton at a max. Turner at about $20 million. Poole, uh, I know his contract probably starts around twenty five dollars million-ish. 28.7 so, 28.
1: next year. 28, even out. More.
2: Yeah, so that's what scares me. If you're not able to, you know, move off of that contract in about, you know, a, a year or two, then it, it, it gets a little bit tough. So I want to avoid taking on Jordan Poole, but I do think that that is the incentive for Golden State to really make a deal that does not involve picks when you're including Jonathan Kaminga.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what I looked at. I mean, obviously, he's only twenty three years old, so oh, he does dumb. he fits the young core very well. You, I, they had to overpay him for him because they knew other teams would. But of here's course. what here's what I think would happen. I think that the Pacers could kind of salvage some of his baggage and turn him into a, somewhat more of a. a he could be viewed positively where he's viewed negatively now because if he starts putting up numbers for the Pacers, some people could talk themselves into him. Because he is young, kind of like I'm making the case for him here now. Yes, you but are. I'm just saying, like, if you brought him here, then flipped him maybe. That's something you could look at. But I just feel like this is too heavy of a person to bring on contract-wise. So I didn't love the idea, but it was something I thought about where I was like, okay, if we, if they threw Jordan Poole in this trade, what can make it sweeter? I, I thought about maybe making them give us. Pick number 19 in exchange for like 26 and 29 as well in this deal it so helps move up in the draft. But yeah, it's just that Jordan Poole contract. I mean, I don't think they're getting rid of Clay or Wiggins. So that's the contract they would have to give to get back Buddy and Tice. Yeah.
2: And, and
1: I do think that
2: that really is the motivating factor. If they can get off Poole's contract right now, it solves a lot for them because we talked about, look, Clay, you know, and final year of his deal, Draymond, final year of his deal you know, you imagine maybe Draymond doesn't sign another deal there, whatever, but Pool being there complicates a lot. So uh, in this scenario, I'm avoiding that contract. And if I'm going to be, if I'm going to get serious about that trade, I need pick 19. I know it's not going to, you know, move mountains for us, but that pick's got to be involved. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. So let me hear your second trade. Okay. So let's see. Now I got, go in two different directions here. Do you want a little bit of a sexier trade or you want another small one? Let's keep it small and work our way up to sexy. All right. So for this next trade, here's what I got. It's Jonathan Kuminga and Gary Payton Jr. for Aaron Neesmith, Chris Duarte, the Boston, and Cavs picks. So okay. here's what you're getting over here. While you're losing Neesmith, you are getting another good defender in Gary Payton Jr. You're getting Kuminga. Duarte, you're kind of punting on and you're giving up the picks that while they are first round picks, they are two of the worst first round picks.
1: (laughs) No, I, I actually, I actually wondered if they would even trade Gary Payton. I, I don't know. Look, they
2: definitely like him. This is the this is the they brought him back now. I think this could potentially be his third stint. I know they at least traded for him again, and they gave up five second round picks in there. They so dumped Wiseman the second overall uh, pick for him. I mean, that's I, I, I crazy. Completely, it, it is, but they did also save a lot of money when they dumped James Wiseman. So Good that's got to be worth something. So in this situation, five million dollars is is saved for the Warriors, but that doesn't include luxury tax savings in this deal so it's actually even bigger so hmm. in that situation the Warriors save money they get or they plug in right away Duarte I really do think could you know be uh, rejuvenated over there the picks you know maybe they get crafty with those and they bring in someone else
1: yeah that's interesting I actually don't hate this trade I think I would probably do it if I'm the Pacers yeah I kind of wonder if they would do it if they're the Warriors I think I think it could make sense I mean it could Looking at both, I think it makes sense to save them some money because we'll be taking on more salary. We have mm-hmm. the room. I think that pool could fit into our system. Um, well, Peyton, Gary Payton, right? I'm sorry, I don't know. Yeah. I keep saying pool. No I know, pool Gary Payton. I was literally thinking Gary Payton, but my screen right now has Jordan pool's contract, <laughs> so I said that you're right. Gary Payton is what I'm thinking. Uh, I think he could make sense with, with Kaminga for the Pacers, obviously, would fill a bit of a position of need. How tall is Gary Payton? He's like 6'5, right? He's not, I super believe, tall. I believe he's 6'5. Yeah, so he's a little bit undersized for that position, but we've seen him play in big games and, and be effective defensively. So if they would take on Chris Duarte and Aaron Neesmith plus two picks for that deal, I think I would do it. It's uh like you said, it's it's still to me it's still sexy, <laughs> even though it's not as sexy maybe as your big one. But any anytime you can get Kaminga and not give up any of your like top five to six core for the Pacers, I think you have to consider, it, even though Maybe Neesmith isn't that five to six core, yep. but barely, barely hanging barely. on. That one. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, he's right toward the end of that uh, cutoff. But
2: I, I think in this situation, um, it, it's, I would say, a win win, given that they might not have the role for Kuminga. Because I do think if you're looking at, okay, who's going to have the brightest future out of every player in this group, Jonathan Kuminga has to be the answer. But mm-hmm. I, I just think that the Warriors can't afford that type of role for him and also if it does work out are they going to be able to afford him on another
1: deal without paying an astronomical tax number that this league's never seen for sure botch so let's keep it moving here i've got two trades left i've got a basic trade between the pacers and warriors and i've also got a three-team deal which one do you want to hear uh let's go to basic before we crank it up to the three-team okay so this might be like my final this might be my final offer that I have to think about. Ooh. And this is one that I don't even know if I would do it if I'm the Pacers. And I don't even think the Warriors would do it. I don't think either team does this trade. We're getting likely. wild here, aren't we? <laughs> but I think that I think that both teams would probably benefit from doing it. As weird as this sounds, it is a one-for-one trade, Fachi. Ooh. Pacers get Jonathan Kaminga, obviously, because we're doing a Jonathan Kaminga trade podcast. The Warriors get Andrew Nimhart. That's it. That's the trade.
2: You know, it, and look, Nemhard played very good against the Warriors early in the season. And I, I do, in my gut, feel that they would love him. Uh, and I think you can make an argument. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point of would like, which team says no. Mm-hmm. Because if you're the Warriors, you just got a defensive backup point guard. You can put him at the two, of whatever you want to do. You could start um, him next step. Yeah, I mean, that's how could.
1: special he is.
2: Exactly. And... Solidly cheaper, under contract for the next few years. So you're going to be saving money, but also like you're not having to worry about him looking for a big payday anytime soon. So I think if you're the Warriors, I kind of feel like this deal makes a lot of sense for both teams. It's just a matter of if push came to shove, which team would be more likely to say no?
1: Yeah, that's what I I was stuck on. I'm like, is it that simple that it's just one for one straight up? Is it really just, okay... What if they ask for Andrew Nembhard? Would the Pacers sit there and think about it? I mean, I think I would because we know Nembhard means so much to this mm-hmm. team right now. But and they love him. We've talked about it. We, we think he's a point guard. So can he be the backup point guard? Or are they going to make TJ McConnell be that guy? Do They don't have a secondary playmaker on ball defender. I think right now Andrew Nembhard is more ready to play big minutes than Kaminga, even though we saw yes. struggles from him. The thing with Kaminga is he's still very young and very raw. He's got a much higher upside, but I think if you think about it, Andrew Nimhard could be very similar to a Jalen Brunson-type situation Mm -hmm. where he could come in and help the Warriors right away, play off ball next to Steph. You got Clay Wiggins, Draymond, Looney. I I think he makes sense with that core with what he can do because some people compared his game to someone they already had when they were on those championship runs, Sean Livingston. So Mm -hmm. a point guard like that that can be defensive, I think he could be a long... Pivotal piece for their future, and they could—I don't know if they build around him, but I think he could be a long-term starter for that team. His shot has to probably get a little bit better, but I think that he's just such a smart player. One thing that I heard on a podcast—think it was—I want to say it was Ryan Russillo—said on a podcast that the Warriors and Steve Kerr—they don't care if you're the most athletic player because Moody was getting minutes over Kaminga. They care if you have a high basketball, like high basketball, like you, and can make the right play at the right time. So if you're if you're talking about a player that does that. That's Andrew Nemhard. No, that is, and I, I think that Andrew Nemhard is
2: someone that you could plug in on just about any team, and he could give you good minutes. While for mm-hmm. Kaminga, I don't think that he does fit any team. You know, there's a lot of teams that he fits, but I do think that Nemhard would be a seamless fit into what the Warriors are doing, and someone that would, you know, I, I honestly think that people would fall in love with them, and they should—they already are in Indiana. But I do think that it, people would be like, "Wow, you know, Andrew Nemhard." really starting to get that shine in the playoffs and things like that. So I could actually see both teams going for this because one, it clears up the Pacers log jam at the guard spots. Mm-hmm. So it helps that. Then it helps the four spot. I mean, you, you could plug in coming right away at the four and, and big, like, Hey, we're getting a player who's still 20 years old. He'll be 21 by the start of the season with a lot of upside under contract for at least the next two years. So I do think this is a win-win. It, it comes down to I think is this is that enough for the warriors to be able to you know say hey we got enough of a return right there
1: yeah and that's the big thing that's why i'm like they both probably say no i, I really think both might. probably just say like we're not ready to give up on our guy yet for this but i think it makes sense for both i mean it's like you said it's as simple as we have what you don't have <laughs> and mm-hmm. we we have no wings we have too many guards and the warriors at this point they have guards but how many of them are trustworthy guards right like yeah, play is getting true. older. Pool is someone they need to get off of desperately. I don't know if they're going to be able to get off of him. The, you know, a lot of question marks with, G- with Draymond. But like, look at their bench. Who's their backup guards? Uh, it's just it's, it's Moody. That's about uh, it. I mean, yeah. I, they really don't have a lot of backup guards. So I think this could make a lot of sense to me. And it's it's similar to what the Pacers and Kings worked out. Was just a simple deal because they needed a big man. We needed a point guard. Sabonis so for Halliburton with other salary stuff to fill in, and you make it work. I think that's as simple as how this trade could just come down to you, watch. Yeah,
2: um, I think that's a. You didn't start out as hot when you were selling it, but man, I, I'm pretty sold. I <laughs> love me some Nem Hart. Yeah, it's tough because
1: I, re- I love Nem Hart too. I just don't want to like do. be like so dismissive of him as a player. But e- either do I. It's just like when you think about it from this perspective. Okay, the 31st pick in the draft or the seventh overall pick in the draft. Gold yeah. State will probably be like, ah, no, it's stupid. But really, I think Nimhard's a g- really good player that fits their system. Like, it, to me, it's just like, I think both teams could say yes and no at the same time. <laughs> That's why I'm so torn. Like, it's it's that simple to me. But maybe I'm overvaluing Nimhard because I see him more than what they see around the league. But, I mean, the guy didn't even make all rookie team second team. So does that knock him at all with what people think about him, how they respect him? but. Like you said, he put on a performance in Golden State. I'm sure they remember that a little bit. Oh, I bet they do. So that that makes it
2: that much tougher. But I do like the fact that the Pacers are not sacrificing their future in terms of draft picks there. You know, yeah. it's not like they I wouldn't say by and no one's going to say they're giving up too much. You know, it feels like it's a, <laughs> either it's even or it's like, oh, well, you know, who knows. But for my next trade, this is where we spice it up a little bit. All right. Now, in this, you know, you know me, I'm a, I'm a simple, you know, one team for one team type of thing. Three team trades, hey, they get crazy and we're going to, I'm looking forward to hearing yours. But yeah. for this one, we got the Pacers sending out Buddy Heald, Andrew Nemhard, Chris Duarte, the seventh overall pick, if it is seven, okay. and both the Boston and Cavs first. So you know it's getting wild.
1: So we're trading but- all
2: three picks. All three first round
1: picks with what Buddy, three players again?
2: Buddy Nemhard Duarte. Oh my or gosh! Jonathan Kaminga, Andrew Wiggins, and the nineteenth overall pick. No way!
1: <laughs> I'm not doing that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, tell me uh, what. I I don't think I'm giving up seven for Andrew Wiggins. I think that's okay. too much. Well, that that's why I threw in
2: nineteen because it was like nineteen is already better than obviously twenty six and twenty nine and like. It's not a great pick by any means, but it's not an awful pick. Uh, but yeah. it's still a shot in the dark. And then, obviously, look, in this situation, you're getting Kaminga, you're getting Wiggins, could potentially be two starters for years to go. Yeah. But you, you do give up some good assets. So the reason why I would say for Golden State to be interested, short term this year, you save about $5 million. Moving forward, you save $109 million yeah. owed to Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you move up from 19 to 7. And then you you have Steph clay and buddy healed together arguably the most lethal shooters ever assembled on one team so <laughs> who's guarding know, anybody i mean that's I, the problem yeah I, look i get it i get it <laughs> but i mean we're, we have never seen a three-point uh
1: you know we never seen it rain like that before yeah. but three-point barrage every night that's what garage yeah. so too much for you yeah, I just, I just think if you're the Pacers, like, yeah, it sounds good to have. Like, so, like, I think Wiggins was awesome last year. I think this year he was really inconsistent in the playoffs. A year for him. I think, obviously, stuff going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. It, yeah. it was a tough year for him. I have question marks about that. I just yes. I don't want to trust somebody that didn't play, like, what, the last 20-some games of the season or something, something like that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know he came back, and he, and he was, at times, the second-best player on the Warriors in the playoffs. But I think for the majority of the first round, the second-best player was Kevon Looney. Clay Thompson had his moments. I felt like Wiggins was just having a rough year this year. So I just don't know if I think about it like hey, at seven, you could find your you could next player for yeah. the next nine years mm-hmm. at least under your team control. So is that worth Wiggins to be a tough out in the playoffs right now? Oof, I can't hear a tough out. I uh, just look. Just I, I let me ask you. you this real quick. What do you got? Halliburton, Matherin, Wiggins, Kaminga, and Turner. What is the ceiling of that team? Halliburton, w- uh, Matherin,
2: Wiggins. Community. Community I mean, it, it's it, it's a, it's it's a good five I mean, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna yeah, i'm not gonna say it we're a championship team it feels like a second round team and then from there is there's question marks how do they get better you know you still in this trade you held on to you know knee uh, smith and then and, and some other guys that you might like yeah. a little bit but it's definitely it's hard to make a maneuver that gets this pacers team to like the conference finals and above but in this situation, the reason why look, I don't see the Pacers bringing back Buddy. I don't. No, Guarte think... feels like like we're, we're we're looking to give him a, find him a new home. That seventh overall pick that was definitely tough to include. That's the only reason why I included nineteen. But I could pass on this deal and sleep like a baby.
1: Yeah, I, I think honestly, like if you can make this a three team deal, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Maybe you send Wiggins to Toronto. And then send OG and Anobi to the Pacers. I oh, mean, I mean, it's, it's glorious. I I'm just look. saying, like that. And then you don't take 19 back, whatever, from the Warriors, so they get seven plus all the stuff you gave them. the The Raptors get Wiggins, who's under contract longer than OG, so they get a little bit more of a stability there in terms of you know contract player that type of thing. The Pacers get OG and Anobi plus. Jonathan Kaminga, now that to me could make more sense, obviously, uh, where I might be willing to part with seven, but still at that same point, OG could leave after the year too. So it's just like I that's know. that's where it's really tough to like – I just – I don't feel comfortable moving off of seven right now. I just okay. don't. That's just where I'm at with it. I tried to not include pick seven because I think while the Pacers were really good last year, Fauci, we don't want to expedite the it's youth true. movement. I know. Um, I know. I'm ready to hear this three-team deal. Yeah. So we got eight players involved in this trade, Fachi. So it's eight players? High. Yeah. For, okay. for everybody, three teams. Yeah. It's not that bad. So here's what we'll start off with. Uh, I already told you the third team, but to me, this third team just feels like a team that would take a chance on Jordan Poole. And that's the Los Angeles Clippers. They just seem like a team that could talk themselves into them. I think the Clippers always surprise me with some of the moves they make, the guys they go after. So here's what we're doing the Clippers are going to get Jordan Mora. Chris Duarte, and Jordan Poole. The Golden State Warriors are going to get Eric Gordon on an expiring contract at $21 million. Robert Covington, he's on an expiring contract at $11.4 million. And then, this is where I wasn't sure, but I threw in Bones Highland, someone they just traded at the deadline mm-hmm. for, because Bones Highland is kind of like the same player as Jordan Poole. So if you're getting Jordan Poole, you don't want to have Bones Highland around, even though he's much you know, cheaper to have right now. I think Jordan Poole's significantly better than Bones yep. Highland. The Pacers on this end, they get Jonathan Kaminga from the Warriors, and they also get Amir Coffee. But also in this trade, the Pacers would be trading both 26 and 29 to the Warriors. So you're getting Kaminga and Amir Coffee to the Pacers. You're giving up Duarte, uh, Jordan Mora and two picks. And then Jordan Poole's going out to the Clippers. Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, Bones Highland to the Warriors. What are your thoughts? First thing I got to say is, you
2: love you some Amir coffee and you won't sleep until he's a pacer. I've heard that's the best way to start off your morning.
1: You need coffee Uh, in the morning? We got Amir coffee, baby. Let's go. I
2: like it. I like it. So, look, so in in the trade, just so I get this right, the pacers are giving up 26, 29, Duarte, right? Yep. And and Jordan Wara. And Jordan Wara, which I can definitely live with giving that up. And you get Kaminga, you get coffee. Um so in, in reality I'm fine giving up those first round picks to I really feel like that's a that's a deal that on paper might sound like oh wow we're giving up a lot of stuff but I think that the Pacers moving forward would rather have one solidified player that you know what you got in Kaminga than like a four you know it's it's like basically having a dollar over four quarters in yeah. my opinion so I I like that trade but for the other teams, just so I have this right, the Clippers are getting Jordan Poole. Uh, was it uh, Chris
1: Duarte and Jordan? were. so they're getting the two Pacers and Jordan yeah. Poole. Okay,
2: so I, they're I, getting I can, some shooters
1: around them to surround Kawhi and Paul George. I
2: could I definitely see them doing that because they have this window right now that they need to maximize. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, I believe they both have you know, depending on their options, like one to two years under contract. And I mean, they got a new stadium coming. They have not exceeded what, what they hoped for. So I could see them very much being involved. Um, three teams, always tricky. But in this situation, if I'm the Pacers, I do that deal because you don't know if you're bringing Jordan to war back. Uh, Chris Duarte, look, he need, needs a new home. Those picks, it complicates bringing in two rookies that could be tough to get playing
1: time for. So if I'm the Pacers, I do that deal. Yeah, and I think when, and I was kind of trying to talk myself into why the Warriors would do this deal, but I think Eric Gordon would actually be a good secondary ball handler for him that has played in big moments. I think Robert Covington, six foot seven, kind of fills the same role as Kaminga would in terms of like the style of play. Uh, obviously, Kaminga is a much more, excuse me, not style of play. They're the same style of player in terms of being a forward that's six seven. Kaminga a little bit more athletic than Covington, but we've seen Covington. Mm. Have good moments defensively. I think that Golden State could bring out the best in him. And then you have this wild card in Bones Highland that's like a cheaper version of Jordan Poole. They've already dealt with that before, but he's only making 2.3 million compared to 28 million next year. So that's where you look at it from that perspective. And I think the Pacers, in my personal opinion, like, yeah, you get Kaminga for basically stuff you don't really want that much. So that's a really good deal. So it's kind of beneficial. Maybe I'm getting a little too uh you know greedy here for the pacers but i just think that for all three teams it does make sense but i don't necessarily love it i think that my best trade that i came up with conversation wise was the previous one with nimhard and kamingo uh, i but, agree but this I think one to was me was best. fun but i just i what team wants jordan pool I, I, th- like, that's that's the thing is like i don't know who
2: wants him and golden state is in a position where the trade that you just deserve- Describe, it's like a short term fix of like, hey, you got these expiring contracts basically, and then you save a lot of money. But is Gold State, who's come this far, just looking to kind of save a lot of money? You know, it's that's what's tough.
1: Well, here's what you got to remember too expiring contracts, while they don't have as much value as they used to have, they do for teams that are really stuck with their salary cap. And I think also those contracts are much easier to move at the trade deadline, especially if there's, let's just put it out there, let's say bojan Bogdanovich becomes available for whatever reason from the Pistons. And they're like, hey, we'll give you the expiring of Robert Covington for him. And they're like, okay, perfect. So now Bojan makes more sense for what the Warriors want. I'm not saying that they that he does. I'm just saying it for a hypothetical here. And you send back something with Covington so that the Pistons can say, hey, we have more cap space to, to make more moves this offseason and whatever. I think that's one way you can look at it as well. But I just think that those players actually help their team too. It's not mm-hmm. just like yeah, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington are these like, They're they're vets that I feel like you can trust in the playoffs. And
2: we saw Jordan Poole at one point become basically unplayable Mm -hmm. in that past series. I mean, he had a couple of really rough games where if you're Jordan Poole and the ball isn't going in the hoop, you're really not bringing anything else to the table. Absolutely. So how many more trades do you have up your sleeve? Well, there's a there's a couple I might nix because you you never want to send that one trade out there that just gets laughed at and that's all anybody remembers. You're having some regrets Listened on episode. some of the ones and you I've put been there. Out. Eh, I got a couple that I'm not going to share. All right, every every now and then you you, uh, you undermine the value of a Jaden McDaniels. All right, so in in this situation, don't say he was
1: involved in a trade.
2: No, he was not, not involved. I'm just saying in the past, I remember you just almost laughing me off of Zoom. For a trade uh, involving Jaden. So, in this scenario, the Warriors are sending Gary Payton II, Dante DiVincenzo, and Jonathan Kuminga to the Pacers for Buddy, Chris Duarte, the Cavs first, and the Celtics first. What are your thoughts on that? One, one more time. I, your your mic went out when I was okay. listening to you. So, what was That's the first thing you said? Gary saw? Payton Jr., Okay, Dante DiVincenzo opting into the player option. Yeah and Jonathan Kuminga for Buddy, Duarte, Cavs first, Celtics first. Yeah, I would do that. I would do that, and I think they would too, because for DiVincenzo, he already kind of complained that he wanted a little bit of a bigger role, you know, probably not going to re-sign him. Also a good three-point shooter, shot about 39%. Gary Payton Jr., look we know they like, but he's not going to hold up any deal. And then there's obviously Kuminga. For them, they get Buddy. Obviously, look, great three-point shooter. Duarte, we already went through. I liked him in the past. I think they could... You know, rekindle them, and then you get those first-round picks. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a trade that works out for both teams. Um So if I'm the Pacers, this is definitely something I strongly consider. Knowing you're probably not going to
1: resign, buddy. I can I can see them talking about it. I don't know if it gets done. One of my problems with Dante Divincenzo being involved in any trade is I just don't think he opts into his player option. Yeah, that's I my mean, biggest that, that, thing. I mean, their
2: contracts are so either you're either you're making. Almost 30 million dollars,
1: or you're you're making below six on that team basically. That's exactly. I mean, <laughs> and that's why it's so hard to find the trade. That's why I was like, I had to put Jordan Poole in the one trade that was like big for the Pacers, because it's like, I don't think they're getting rid of Wiggins, they're not getting rid of Clay. It's like, what are you gonna do? You can buy in looney and Gary Payne, they're not getting rid of Looney right now. I mean, that would be silly, especially not knowing what Draymond status is. So it's like I feel like the only way you could really like solidify like trading like a buddy and tice is like oh you're taking on pool you're helping them out so because you're doing that then now you don't have to give up as much draft capital for kaminga uh, yeah that's that's what's really tough because i think i think buddy buddy heel does make sense on the warriors i like the fit yes. a lot i really do i think chris duarte could make sense if he can get healthy i think jalen smith as a backup guy could make some sense i think really a lot of the pacers players could make sense for them there's probably only a few that I don't. I don't know if Miles really fits their style, and I don't know if Mathern really fits with their style. We're not trading them, obviously, Ooh, but no, we are not, and, and probably not McConnell. So I'm, I'm trying to think of guys that just don't make a lot of sense for them. But you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's mm-hmm. it's a tough trade to do, and, and Golden State's in a really weird spot. So I, I think that probably the first one you told me, the one that was like the least sexy, but I think it might have <laughs> made the most sense, was the yep. Smith-Duarte trade. Yep, that one to me makes the most sense. And that's kind of like what I was thinking too when I threw Noor in there instead of Neesmith. It, it's just tough, man. I, I think that th- those type of players would be good on the on the Warriors. I, I think that Neesmith definitely has a higher ceiling, though, for that team than anything Noor could do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I, I completely agree. I mean, look, it never
2: feels good saying like a poor man's, but I feel like Neesmith could almost be like a poor man's Wiggins uh, for, yeah. for them where it's like, okay, they could slide him in. He's, he's a lot cheaper than Wiggins. And – uh Helps to have, you know, added depth to that team. But in any other scenario, I mean, there was just no trades that, that I was including Miles in because it just, they would get a little bit too complicated. I wanted to avoid taking Jordan Poole back in any scenario. And, uh, you know, look, I just didn't see the Pacers making a deal for, you know, a Clay, a Draymond. And it goes without saying, Steph is not in any equation.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we could get Steph... <laughs> I mean, my goodness. No, yeah. I'm just I mean, even yeah. at 35, I mean that's tough. No, oh, yeah, I know. What, what I will say though, Pacer fans, is like you guys play around with the trade machine. You let us know what you guys think would be a good trade to get Jonathan Kaminga to the Pacers because at the bo- at the end of the day, the bottom line here was to get Kaminga on the Pacers. It wasn't about trying to like get Poole on here or nope. Wiggins or Clay. It was about Jonathan Kaminga because he is a young player that I think fits very well with this Pacers team. And we've already seen the Pacers make a deal like they did last year for Aaron Eastman. This is a a guy that was on a team that went to the NBA Finals that wasn't getting playing time and he wanted a new role and the Celtics were able to work something out. So maybe the Pacers can do something again with another team like that in Golden State who made it just last year and won the championship. So that to me is where it gets interesting. Now, uh, if I really wanted to get greedy here, I'd be asking for Moses Moody and some kind of these deals, but I decided to stay away from that. I let my bias Not be involved in my trade ideas because, my goodness, what I would do. I would probably buy three Moses Moody jerseys in three different colors. That's how excited I'd be for him to be on the Pacers.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, honestly, that would be such a great scenario to be able to get Kuminga and Moody from them. It just feels like this Pacers youth would be just running wild. But (laughs) I, I, I I do think they like Moody. And, you know, look, I'm sure the guy wants more playing time. But at least he's getting more playing time than Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, But one thing I wanted to highlight over, because, look, it's easy to say, like, oh, Kaminga, like, you know, is is he a a bust or anything? No, he's absolutely not a bust. But what he's playing is just under 21 minutes per game. I look back at his rookie season when he was 19 years old. He had a month where if you give him 20 minutes, he's going to give you production. He had a month in February, played 25.6 minutes at age 19 on the Warriors and gave him 15 points per game, 5 rebounds, on 58% shooting. So it's just like, this guy, he just needs the playing time. And then gets a couple less uh, next month, 23 minutes per game. Gives you 12 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, shot 50% from the field. This is at age 19. Mm. So it's just like, I mean, when the Pacers are out here drafting Duarte, just before he turns 24, it's like, think about it, we're years away from Kuminga ever even getting to that point. So, what he's already shown in two years in a, a, a championship type learning under Steve Kerr, playing with Steph, a bunch of Hall of Famers and Curry, Clay, you know, arguably Draymond. I mean, being going through that, it teaches you a lot. So, I do think that if he is in an environment where he can be playing, say, I don't know, 27 minutes per game, 28, whatever, a little bit more free, getting the ball in his hands a bit more, I think that he's going to be able to produce in a way that I don't think should shock fans.
1: I think it's just what comes with having a bigger opportunity. Absolutely. We've seen players come to the Pacers that have needed bigger opportunities time and time again. The Pacers feast on guys that want bigger opportunities because they come in here with a chip on their shoulder, ready to prove something, and that is why I would be all in for a Jonathan Kaminga trade, even if it did mean trading some of your players that you view as part of your core four, core five, core six, whatever. Because I think at this point, you're trying to continue to establish yourself as a team for the long haul. And I think that Kaminga could fit in here long-term nicely with a Benedict Mather and with a Tyrese Halliburton. But Fachi, I think we've covered everything today in terms of our uh, Jonathan Kaminga talk. So go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace
2: 3. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at
1: Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast, where you guys can see all of our YouTube videos. We are going to be doing a live draft lottery reaction on tomorrow night's episode. So maybe if we record that on our on our Zoom, we will put that out there on YouTube for everybody to see because tomorrow could be a life-changing night for Pacer fans. Tyrese Halliburton representing the team. They just put out a list of all the represent- uh, representation for the teams. The best representative for any team, in my personal opinion, is Tyrese Halliburton. Absolutely. The one that I'm most worried about is Ben Wallace with the Pistons. We know how much he likes to start trouble. But... With that being said, the Pistons have had their good chances. It's time for them to step back, let the Pacers get up there and get into the top four. But, Fachi, if you're just praying and hoping that the Pacers land in the top four for the NBA Draft Lotter, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Pacers. Setting the
3: pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We're going to need a mop. Smooth.